This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Today, we have Pastor Tim back in the studio. It is so good to be back. Man, Tim, I, I, if I were you, adventure, I would. A lot of adventure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken a, I would have taken today off, but not Tim Chin, not Pastor Tim. No, uh, man, we got to get back at it. He comes in and he's like, "We got to do some work for the kingdom here." So, That's right, uh, Tim. Of all your adventures into space, into Europe, and Africa, and Asia, what was the highlight of your two weeks? Well, by all means, a lot of fun, a lot of great adventure. But meeting the Queen, being knighted, man, that 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 is right at the top. That's, that is amazing. That's got to be right at the top. So as you were consulting the queen on Brexit, I know that the actual, like, um, when you got there, you were like, hey, what do you need? <laughs> and she's like, my dishwasher. So what was actually wrong with the dishwasher? Uh, just simple, just just a minor adjustment, you know, just, you know, one of those little things that could be fixed with a screwdriver, yep. you know, so. You know what's crazy is, is she has access to all the world's mechanics, like probably the best in the world. Yeah. And then she's like, Brexit, and a dishwasher, Pastor Tim. Done. Oh yeah, like yeah. flies you over. I mean, thankfully you were already in the area, which is <laughs> yeah, nice. I was already there, you know, close. Yeah, and uh, so yeah. Anyway, so I'm I'm so glad you're back. We missed you, and Great to be I'm back. still upset that you won't take me on these adventures. Are you intimidated that like people would be like like me better? I mean, uh, I'm just wondering <laughs> if you, your your pain threshold is high enough for probably somebody. Not, <laughs> probably not. So. Uh, so welcome back, Sir Tim Chin. And, oh, yeah. um, I, you know, since we're not, since we're not on the motherland, I'm probably just gonna call you Tim. Yeah. Pastor you can Tim. just call right, me Tim. Sounds good. Yeah, so the, the, we have a couple asks and right um, at the beginning. Yes. Pastor Tim, uh, now that you're back, what are our three asks? We want people to submit a question. They can do that by going to our website, vcob.org. Click right on that main page where it says Q and a podcast, or you can go to the village church of Bartlett app and submit a question that way. Right on. Number, Number two. two, we want you to share it, share it, share it. Share it, share it, share it. Share with Give it away. anyone. Yeah. Give it away. I asked uh, John Tucker a question. We'll see if you get it. Okay. Name that band. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Oh, man. I used to know this. Oh, <clears throat> Red, Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cheater. Oh, yeah. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Oh, that, I had a little help. Yeah, our Dan. producer just spoke into his microphone and said, Red Hot Chili Peppers, what album was it and when was it released? Bam. Uh, no, no, no. I don't no. even know that. You got me on that one. All right, I number three. We want you to go to the iTunes store and be sure that you're rating and reviewing this podcast and all the rest of them. Awesome. Five stars, please. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So here's our question for today, Michael. How hard is it to preach the book of Revelation? Not Revelations. Not Revelations. Just, just Revelation. All right. Um, how hard is it? I have not done it. Yeah. I have preached revelation one through five. Yeah. Um, I did a series on the seven churches and one through three and a series on worship in revelation four and five. Uh, but I stopped right there. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So there are a few factors that go into preaching the book of revelation. Um, and before we get to those factors, let's just give our listeners maybe an overview of the book of revelation. Yeah. Let's talk about the book of revelation as a whole. Yeah. So here's what we know that we know. It was written by the apostle John who also wrote first John, second John, third John, the gospel mm-hmm. of John and the book of revelation. Correct. I mean, most people think the apostle Paul is the primary, 
you know, writer of the New Testament. I believe actually Luke, who wrote Luke and Acts, has more real estate yeah, more in the Bible. Words. Right. And uh, then Paul and John has the gospel. John, I mean, John has an incredible amount of sure real does. estate also. And um, so really Luke, John, and, and Paul um, really make up <laughs> almost Sure. I mean, I'm going to guess of those guys. almost all of the New Testament. Yeah. So at that point, we start to get a little fuzzy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we know who wrote it. We know that the book was written to seven churches in Asia Minor. Right. I mean, so the seven churches at the beginning are the audience. So, and so what That's happened right. He's is, actually writing two churches, real churches yep. that existed in those days. Yep. yep. He really wrote from being imprisoned at, yep. at the on the Isle of Patmos. Yep. He was a, he was a prisoner, old age, yep. um, and the the challenges start now really arising. When was the book written? Mm-hmm. Um, there are huge differences. Uh, some people will say the book was written um, in the 70s AD, which just this is probably more than our audience wants. But in 70 AD, Rome um, basically obliterated Jerusalem, Destroyed God's it, yeah. city, and many many scholars believe that Revelation was written after that. And Babylon the Great, this evil empire, is really Rome, and mm-hmm. it's it's written maybe say in more um, prophetic, mysterious, uh, hidden language, so that Rome, if they found it, wouldn't immediately be able to understand it. Six 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 also is understood to be um, uh, Roman numerals, the number of Nero, right. which could or could not be who the Antichrist is or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the point is. Um, when the book of Revelation is written is a huge, huge matter of contention. Um, many other scholars believe it was written in 90, 95, 96 AD. The and that last would be the traditional book. view. That would be the more traditional view. And and uh, if that's the case, then it really has nothing to do with the destruction of Jerusalem. Likely, it's a letter written for seven churches about future events. And mm-hmm. and um, so already off, already off the bat, um, you, it's really hard to date the book. And the dating of the book uh, tells you the purpose of the book because tells you the purpose and yeah. helps you interpret the book. Yeah. And so then not only do we have an issue with the dating, which leads us to an issue with the purpose, then we get to bigger issues of, um, we'll just say end times theology because, mm-hmm. um, historically the church has been one of two camps, historic premillennial or amillennial. Right. Um, those have been, and I would even say historic premillennial seems to be the, maybe the, the most consistent, but it's never consistent. I mean, it's <laughs> trying to nail down what the quote church's historical view of the end times is almost impossible. Right. And, um, and so you have this issue of now we have, um, debated opinions on how the world's going to end and what the book of revelation teaches and mm-hmm. how you view, um, how it's going to end is the lens, or as we say, the hermeneutic, the grid right. through which you read the book. Right? Mm-hmm. And then in the mid 1800s, uh, we'll say a newer form of end times theology called dispensationalism came onto the charts. Um, we had historically premillennialism and then, and then emerged in the mid 1800s, dispensational premillennialism right. and uh, dispensational premillennialists in the late 1800s actually um, launched and ran the, conference circuit and the Bible teaching circuit, actually, um, premillennial dispensationalists were masters of catching in the late 1800s all the way up until I would say the mid 2000s, right. the pop culture view of theology of end times. Mm-hmm. Um, they would write literature and books and conferences sure. and preachers and and they really grasped and grabbed the hearts and the minds of the masses. Right. Um, but mainline denominations have always been um, we'll say historic premill, um, amillennial, 
for the last couple hundred years. And if you don't know what those are, that's a different podcast. But the point is there are a bunch of different views. Now here's where it gets, here's where it gets difficult. Um, if you are, I'm just going to speak anecdotally at this point, Tim, okay. you can totally disagree with me on this one. This is not like <laughs> pastoral authority or anything. This is just my observations. If you have been a part of um, a church that teaches an amillennial view, a historic premillennial view, um, we, I would say we, them, I'm not saying I am or I'm not in those camps. I'm just saying those people, those Christians, um, don't make as big of a deal of it. Like Correct. they're like, Oh, you believe something different. Cool. What's well, all going to end up good in the end. Right? right. Everybody's happy. When you find post millennialists, mm-hmm. uh, they're like, everyone else is stupid and wrong. <laughs> We're right. And when you find dispensational premillennials, yep. I would say dispensational premillennials have a premillennial. They have a they have an ability <laughs> to make this a dividing issue. Oh yeah. Um, I will not work for you if you don't have, for example, the same tribulational perspective, yep. millennial perspective. If you don't have the same view of the six 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 and the beast and one hundred forty four thousand yep. and how it's all going to end in the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. so mm-hmm. now if some of you are listening to this, you're like. Yeah, who cares? Well, you care on one hand because you, you it's do. in the Bible. And you every, do. And, God's and, not like bored. Yeah. He's not yeah. like, let's talk about the end times because we're bored, right? Like, it's important, but it's not so important that you divide over. So Agreed. I'm, as I'm saying this, like, dispensational premillennials have a history of making this a mountain um, when it's actually a molehill. Right. Yeah. The mountain is Jesus is coming back. He will judge the living and the dead. That's right. Um, heaven and hell are for real and they're forever. Yep. And then Satan is real and uh, Jesus beats him and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Like we're not, we're not going right. to debate those. Every solid conservative, liberal, whatever Christian, if you're going to be a Christian, those yeah. are like non You're going to hold to those, right? those necessities. Right. Now, whether or not um, Jesus comes back at the beginning, the middle, the end of a tribulation, and then there's a little or metaphorical thousand-year millennium, they're not deal breakers. But mm-hmm. for the premillennial dispensationalists, dispensational premillennialists, say 100 times over, it has been a huge deal. It over has. the last 10 or 15 years, their vigor has been waning. Their conviction has not, but the amount of weight put on it, I've just anecdotally have been noticing that that I've has I've noticed been, it's changed as well. Right. So like even with like, I would say a number of people at Village Church. Um, we have we have a lot of people who would be dispensational premillennialists at Village Church, and that would be me, right? And it would not be me. Uh, no. I'm not against it. I'm not like super far away from it. I just wouldn't land in that camp. Um, and I there are a lot of things where I just say I I I have studied and studied and studied mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know that I could land in one place and say, this is what I probably think will happen. I have some bigger picture views, but sure. Um, and people really are like, I mean, you don't have a view. It's like, but here's why, because if you grew up and I want everybody to hear this and this is, I'm going to, this is part of answering your question, by the way, whoever you are, um, yes. if you're, if you grew up in a dispensational premillennial church, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was taught often. Yes. And I have heard countless sermons, read many books and their general posture, particularly in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, yep. was everyone else is dumb and wrong, and we're right, and here's why. Yep. So if you grow up in that world, and you're not listening to other perspectives because you're, you're taught by your pastors, which mm-hmm. again, I understand that we're all taught in a vacuum. You know? Sure. Um, many people, when they hear other views, they're like, that's ridiculous. That's not what the Bible says. Well, 
I would just caution anybody from landing too quickly without multiple hours and maybe a year right. or two Studying of some significant study, yourself. you know, of saying of landing anywhere too solidly right. on how specifically the end times are going to work out. Uh, I don't mind if people have firm convictions. I just want them to have firm convictions because they've analyzed other views on this and they've really thought through mm-hmm. it because much of the language around the end times is clouded. It's very hard to really nail it down. And even a good solid premillennial dispensational, whatever is going to say, I'm 80% sure that's correct. <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's because it's not that easy. Whereas a Calvinist can say I'm 95% sure, right? <laughs> no, I'd say, I'd say 99.8% sure. Yeah, if you're a real um, Calvinist. Right. If you're a real one, you know, but, uh, and, and there's some issues that are more clear than others, sure. right? Yeah. And uh, this is just one of those that's really hard. So why is it hard? Because as soon as you preach the revelation, you are, I'll just speak from my context. You're preaching to a church with so many different views. Yep. And we have a, a whole bunch of people who go to Village Church and just assume I'm dispensational premillennial because all smart pastors are, <laughs> because that's what they grew up with. You know? Yeah, like right. Um and, and again, I'm not saying I'm I'm opposed to it. I'm just saying I'm not it. I'm right. You know, I'm like I'm a little bit loosey goosey in terms of where I land. Um and so it gets really, really challenging. Um, figuring out the metaphors and the That's right. and how specifically they yes. apply. Here's another part of it: is there's a whole group of people, and this has been this way for two thousand years. The end is now. Like, yeah. there's too many signs. Like, it's all going to hell in a handbasket, and it might be. I don't yep. even disagree, right? But every generation has thought that, and it's never happened, right? And, and what we're taught in Scripture is the imminent return of Christ, which means it could happen at any time. Yes. Does it mean that it's going to happen at any Correct. time? It could. Right. There is nothing that prevents Christ from coming back today, tomorrow, or even the next week yep. or 50 years from now. Yes. And by nothing. come back, you mean rapture. The not rapture, the, the return. Coming. Yeah, and then we would have to even clarify that. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, and this is not a question about the rapture, so I'm not going to answer it. I just want to go there. <laughs> I am not going to talk about the tribulation of the second coming. My point, though, is when you preach it, mm-hmm. multiple views, lots of assumptions. That's right. People um, are. I would say a lot of people sometimes are not prepared to hear that uh, that I or you could. Um, have a difference of opinion and yeah, still be in fellowship that, but like, I don't know that they're even prepared to that considering other options is okay. Yeah. Um, because of how strongly this has been taught. If you grew up in a post-millennial church, post-millennials, oh, yeah. man, I've, I've had a handful of friends who are post-millennials and, I've, and they, and they're they, pretty rigid on it. They're, they're super they're, rigid yeah. and they more preach from like, we're the disenfranchised few and everybody else is, <laughs> you know, stupid. Um, and they just don't see it. Like we see it. They're all deceived, you know? So it's, I'm again, that's called hyperbole audience, just yes. so you know, exaggeration to make a point. Um, but it's hard because when you preach this book, the amount of views and opinions and and it's very yeah. hard to determine are we using is is John using poetic language figurative language or is he really describing something literally yes and and, and, and like there's not going to be a literal beast or dragon yeah. like obviously but does that like how do you know when one metaphor begins and another one ends because right. they're just like yeah. woven between each other That's and it's like right. narrative metaphor narrative poetry it's like yeah. ah. and it does bounce back and forth yep very smoothly and it's very hard to determine yep. which is which. Yeah. Another, another nuance of the book of revelation is, is it is a series of visions or we'll say there are subcategories right. of the book of revelation. That's yep. And so 
how you organize the book. Is the book teaching the same thing in six different ways throughout the book? Yeah. Um, are some people will say the seven churches are not literal churches or they were, but they represent seven epics right. of history or yep. it's the amount of surmising that has come out of sure. the book of revelation over the two, last 2000 years has muddled everybody's view. Yeah. Um, I would, I would land more to the following view of the book, um, which is it was written by a pastor for seven churches um, to give them hope for the future and to help them process their present. That's correct. Um, and I would say a lot of the, a lot of the things that they were going through, like they clearly understood what the book meant. Sure. Which means they had to have some level of current day point of reference. That's right. Um, and then someone would jump in and say, but that, does that also mean they don't have a future double reference as well? Maybe, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. you know, whatever. Yep, maybe. Um, but now is the listener's understanding. If you're confused, now you can see why now, it's so now hard you to see preach. why it is so hard to preach yeah. the book of Revelation. Yep. And and so let's say like we're having this conversation. There's all this disagreement and discrepancy and confusion and difficulty and all that kind of stuff, right? And then um it's a 21 chapter book. Right. So we're gonna preach on this for a half a year or a whole year. Right. And we're gonna create that much controversy and whatnot. Now, you know what? In light of this, I'm probably just gonna preach on it to be like, ha. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I will say this: there is no book in the entire Bible um, that has, we'll say, more preachable texts. Sure. Texts. Yeah. Can't get that S out of that, whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, there are so many great Bible verses oh, yeah. that are huge. It is the thickest like book in the Bible in terms of Christ-centered scripture, yeah. Jesus, a glorified risen Jesus, and um, just amazing um, the picture of the end times and the judgment and the new heaven and the new earth. And, and uh, at the end of the day, God wants to leave you in awe of Jesus. That's right. In awe of, of what he is doing in awe of the fulfillment of his um, millennial long plan of redemption culminating in Jesus. He wants you to leave you not. Now I'm going to tell you my most aggravating part of the book of revelation drives okay. me nuts. Just insane. And all my premillennial dispensationalist friends listening to this are going to say, you're an idiot. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> all right. You. Say it. I'll tell you if you are. Okay. So let's say the book of revelation never existed. Oh, right. Let's just erase it for a moment. Oh my. Okay. Um, when I read Paul, mm -hmm. here's what I think Paul uh, presents. Uh, hey, it's going to get bad. And Jesus is going to come back and it's going to be okay. And then there's going to be judgment. Yep. And then there'll be new heaven and new earth. That's yep. it. That's it. Like there is, that's all. Like if I were to summarize Paul's end times theology called his eschatology, sure. It's, it's going to get bad. Jesus could go back at any moment, like a thief in the night. Right when he comes back, he's going to usher judgment and a new heaven and new earth. And I'm like, cool. Got it. Totally mm -hmm. with you, right? Yeah. Jesus like teaches in a way that vibes with that doctrine. And right. then you're reading Revelation, you're reading Revelation, and you get to Revelation chapter 20. I mean, we're, wait, is there two, 22 chapters in Revelation? 22. I, I repent. I said 21 earlier. Uh, 22. Um, you get to chapter 20, the third to last chapter of the entire Bible. And now John drops in this thousand year period between the second coming of Jesus and the judgment called the millennium. Right. What? Yeah, like, right. like, did Paul not know it? Like, if Paul knew that, why didn't he talk about it earlier? So I, like, personally, I'm premillennial, not by choice, but because I'm confined by Revelation 20. Sure. And it drives me nuts because I don't see a millennium anywhere. Now, I could, some 
premillennial dispensationalists were like, well, now that you know, you got to go back and find it. I don't find it. I don't see it like that, right? But it's there. John mm-hmm. says it, it is. He's inspired. So I'm a belligerent premillennialist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so again, that may not make people very happy with me, but uh, I'm trying to be faithful to the word of God, faithful to my conscience. I'm trying to build um, a faithful, accurate perspective of the book of Revelation. And I probably won't preach the book truthfully until I have maybe thought through some things a little bit more. Here's the challenge. There's been no issue, second to Calvinism, free will, predestination, all that kind of stuff, that I've studied more than end times. Okay. Nothing. Um, so I'm wondering when I'm going to get comfortable. So maybe I'll never preach it. Maybe I will. Um, and if we do, it'll be an yeah, adventure. For me as a pastor, it you know, when I think about the book of Revelation, it is very uh, insightful. It, it's, it, it's exciting to yep. read through it, study it, learn it, yep. preach it, teach it. But in everyday life, does it really matter whether there is a literal thousand year reign or it's 500 years? Yeah. You know, or yep. 10,000 years for me today. And, and, and I don't want to sound like a heretic. You know, for right now, Paul's <laughs> only a, a premillennial dispensationalist would say that. Yeah, right. You know, for I know for, this could be heresy. I know this could be heresy, <laughs> but really, what does it matter whether the 144,000 are literal Jews or are they Jehovah Witnesses? You yeah. know, hey, you know, yeah. in, in the, they're not Jehovah Witnesses. They're definitely not the know, Jehovah yeah. Witnesses. Just you know that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's that's the struggle that I have yeah. about preaching, uh, especially beyond chapter seven, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, chapter 21, you know, and 22. Yeah. I love picking up over there. Yeah, That's Jump fun. over there. I love it. This yeah. is the way it's going to end. It's basically chapters eight to 20 drive me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, <laughs> hey. before and after is great. But yeah. that, that's what really is is my struggle is, yep. yeah, it's great to learn it. It's exciting. And, and uh, people grab onto that, yep. you know, because, and a, as a dispensational premillennialist, you know, one of the ways that we have used it traditionally mm-hmm. is to scare people into making a decision for Christ. Yep. Look what's going to happen. Yep. Look at all these horrible, awful, terrible things yep. that are going to come during the tribulation. Don't you want to come to know Christ before you go into this yep. uh, time period? Uh, yeah, that's the way dispensational premillennials have used it. I- I'm not in favor of using that. Mm-hmm. I would rather people make a decision regardless of what's going to happen in the future for today, yep. make a decision for Christ today because yep. Christ can make a difference in your life right now today. What's your favorite left behind movie, Kirk Cameron <laughs> or Nick Cage? Neither. Nick Cage? Cool. Neither, um, neither, neither. Can I just give a practical tip for sure. people? So th- we're just talking about preaching, by the way. Yes. Um, very few books will leave you more in awe of Jesus than Revelation. Oh, absolutely. Because Jesus is center of the book. Everything. Whether or not you understand when and how and where and why, whatever. Jesus is so powerful. That's it is, right. It is the clearest, most compelling picture of the power of the resurrected That's Jesus. That's for sure. So like if in your brain, Jesus is a wimpy Jewish dude, you know. Now read this book. Read this book. I mean, just read Revelation 1 and yeah. John's image of the glorious risen Jesus. Sure. And uh, that Jesus pervades the book. So yeah. and that's one of the things I love. When I was oh, probably in fourth grade, uh, if I, I, you know, when you're young, you don't really know where to read the Bible and where to start. I would <laughs> always read Revelation. Wow. I didn't understand it, but it was so interesting. Oh, yeah. And uh, to to date, right, I love 
just reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never get done reading the book without being pumped up about Jesus, pumped up about the future. And, and even the hard things that appear that it seems like are going to happen to God's people, the book leaves you with this sense of, I can suffer if that Jesus is Jesus on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. Like I can go through anything if that Jesus that's is right. with me, you know? Yeah. So that's why I, I love sometimes isolating texts from the book of Revelation and preaching those isolated texts sure. because it is just so thick and beautiful. So to our friend who asked this question, it is a great question. Um, it is very hard to preach the book of Revelation and to do it well and to be fair and to not regret what you're saying 10 years later That's when right. your positions evolve. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where we give everybody a lot of grace. You know, We might hire somebody and say, what is your position in the end time? And their position right. may shift, adjust, or nuance over sure. the next... 5, 10, 20, 30 years, and that's okay because it's that difficult to nail every little detail. That's right. Thanks, listeners, for joining us today. Please come back next time when we answer the question, Orlando terrorism, what are your thoughts? Orlando terrorism.